Good morning. Graham just uh, mentioned to me, or not Graham, uh, Hogan. Hogan just mentioned to me that uh, Graham's newsletter, Graham Fable, who went to Bulgaria for the last, he was there for about two months serving with uh, Hari Atanasov and the, the mission there in uh, Bulgaria that we, we uh, spend time with and, and visit and work with. And if some of you know about the Rodolpe Mountain Mission to Muslims, uh, we, we go and we also send funds to the Rodolpe Mountain Missions. But Graham was there for two months serving with Harry. Harry's an artist. He uses artwork to get into places. In fact, I think I just got a newsletter from him. They have uh, uh, two uh, art workshops up in the mountains in different villages where they can go and work with young people, teaching them about art. They use the Old Testament as a, as a thing to draw and to do art from because Muslims believe in the Old Testament, but they don't believe in the New, of course. And so anyway, uh, a report that Graham put together before he left is back there on the table. We wanted to make that available to you so you would know about it. And if you want to pick up a copy of that, please feel free to do that. Um, so... And if you want to know more about Rodolfi Mountain Missions, I'd be happy to talk to you about it. There's, we have a, a website you can go to, and it tells you all about it and uh, how you can be involved there financially, prayerfully. Uh, there's a lot of things going on there. I could sit here and tell you testimonies of uh, Muslims coming to Christ and uh, how, how that all works, but uh, I won't take time to do that just now. All right, today we're going to be studying the Word out of John 5. And um, you ever have one of those weeks that just, it's crazy. I just had a crazy week, uh, had a crazy three months. Actually, my uncle, uh, who was, he was 91 years old, and he was failing and failing, and we've been in and out of the hospital for the last three months, and uh, my uncle finally succumbed. And died here on on the Thursday morning at the hospital, eleven o'clock, and uh, I've been trying to make preparations and things for that, and it's been a long haul. I've known him; he lived in our home uh, when I was a young man. Came out of the service; he served twenty over twenty years in the military. He was uh, uh, he was a he was a great man to our family. Um, my uncle received three bronze stars for valor. He received a gallantry cross from the Vietnam government for his bravery. He had two purple hearts. He was wounded in Korea. He was wounded in Vietnam, severely wounded in both of those wars, survived that. And uh, everywhere he'd go, they laugh at the shape of his body because his body was all out of contorted and stuff. You know, the, when he'd go in the hospital, they'd, they'd say, what, what is this, you know? And I'd have to say, here's what happened, you know. He's got a goat stomach. He's, he's all wired together on the inside. I took an x-ray of him. They said he looked like a junkyard on the inside. You know, he kind of joked about it, you know. It wasn't something that, you know, he could talk about. He never did really tell us the details of all the stuff he'd been through. My daughter, Erin, was trying to piece it all together, and she finally did and put a, 
put an obituary online, the uh, Frederick and Sons Gill Funeral Home that are taking care of things, and they put a obituary online on it. So uh, I always feel like it's appropriate to honor him. I don't know if you know this or not, but certain veterans, Brian may know this, some of the veterans here, certain veterans are... They, they are eligible for what they call a flyover. You know what I mean? Where the jets fly over and one of them trails off to show that, to, to honor that he, he qualified for that. He qualified to have the jet, not just the 21 gun salute or whatever it is, but the, the, the flyover. But we, I found out you had to give them a 45 day notice. And so uh, I jokingly said, and not to be too political here, I said the only person who could do that would be Hillary Clinton. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, we better move on with the Bible. <laughs> yeah, ouch, somebody said. But anyway, I'm just joking. Uh, but I, I just like to to honor my uncle a little bit here this morning and it's all in my mind and I've got a, we got the funeral tomorrow and, and then after the funeral I got to jump in the car and run to Evansville and fly to Romania. I've told you I was going to Romania. I'm leaving tomorrow e evening for Romania to a, a wedding of a person who's very special in uh, Romania and uh, anyway, praise the Lord. Thank God for my family who's helped helped me this week and helped me get things prepared. And, uh, well, today <clears throat> we're looking at John chapter 5, 30 through 47. I think I'll read this in small chunks and just talk about it. Uh, I kind of titled this called The Five Witnesses. Uh, Jesus is giving five various witnesses here that uh, explain how people can know who he is, his character and his life and who he is. So before we get into that, I'd like to just have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us your word. Thank you for showing us through your word who your son is. And Lord, help us today to receive his word, Lord God, as, as the people of that day was to receive his word. Help us to be receptive to what he's sharing here. Help us to uh, gather strong conviction about who your son is. Help us to have a, a faith that's built strongly on who Jesus is, Lord, we pray. Help us to come to him. Help us to experience him. Help us to have uh, that kind of encounter with Jesus, Lord, today that is necessary to be able to share his life with others, Lord God. And we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Well, a witness, I guess we ought to define what a witness is. A witness gives authenticity to someone's testimony or, or actions. It, gives a, it tells us that, yes, what they're saying is true. It gives a, a, a lot of uh, authenticity to that. It gives credibility to a person's character and their actions. That's what a witness is. So we're talking about these five witnesses these things are meant to give credibility to the person of Jesus, to who he is. And up to this point in the chapter, Jesus has done some things. Up to this point where, verse 30, where we're going to begin, Jesus has said some things that need to have credibility, that need to have authenticity. They need to be 
verified in some way. He claimed authority that he could duplicate and continue his father's works. That's in verses 19 through 20 on the, above uh, in chapter 5. Jesus also said he could bestow life upon men. He could give men life and he could also execute judgment upon people. This was in uh, verse 25 and 26. There's another thing Jesus said. This is a pretty bold statement. Jesus also said he could raise the dead in the last days. Now, I love what Nathaniel shared last week about don't get any idea. I know you go to college, they tell you Jesus was a great teacher. There, there is no such thing as a great teacher that would promise these things. I can raise the dead. Oh, what a great teacher. Can you imagine how that would go around on Facebook? Well, they'd take him off of Twitter in no time. Talking about raising the dead, you know. He didn't say the dead's going to be raised. He said he could raise the dead. He said he was going to judge mankind. He said he could do the same thing that God could do. And the Jews, you know, I, I've had people say to me, well, Jesus never did say he was God. Well, the Jews thought he said he was God. And I would go along with what they said, not what I think, because the Jews were right there. And when Jesus made those statements, they said, he made himself equal with God. That's why they wanted to kill him. So don't go around saying he didn't say he was God. He didn't say it to any too many people, but he claimed, he claimed the same authority. He claimed the same ability as God the Father. I never went through all of John to look at this, but one of the commentators I read, he said that when Jesus talked about the Father, he basically called the Father, my Father. He never did say, our Father. It was my Father, and then he would say, your Father. Okay, he called God, your Father, and my Father. So there was a distinction between God being his Father and somebody else's Father. Because we have a different relationship there. That's between Jesus. Jesus was the only begotten of the Father. Okay? We've all been adopted. you got to understand that. Well, anyway, so how do these claims have credibility? To validate. What can you give us, Jesus, to validate these claims that you've just made in this chapter? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at today. And I want to, we're going to start with the first witness is the witness of himself. Him saying, I'm who I am. I'm who, what I say I am. Here's what he said in verse 30 through 32. He said, I can do nothing of, on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I alone bear witness of myself, my testimony is not true. There is another who bears witness of me, but, and I know that the testimony which he hears or bears of me is true. Okay, these are a little convoluted. When Jesus says, I know that if, if uh, I... If, 
if I alone bear witness of myself, my testimony is not true. That's a little confusing. What he is saying is, by Jewish law, he can't bear witness of himself. It took two or three witnesses to bear witness of somebody. By himself, he can't say that what he's saying is true and everybody expect him, is expected to believe it. You understand that? We, can't, we have that in our court of law. You can't get up there on trial and they say, did you do it? And you said, no, I didn't do it. And they say, okay, you can go. You know, your own testimony doesn't bear much weight. But Jesus said, my testimony is enough weight because I don't seek my own will. I seek the will of him who sent me. He bears witness of himself there. Then the second one, I know we're moving a little quick here, but bear with me. There's only a few verses here, and it's pretty clear what's going on. The second witness is down in verse 33 through 35. You've sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. But the witness which I receive is not from man. But I say these things that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. Jesus is saying, John the Baptist. They sent a credible delegation down to the Jordan to interview John the Baptist. And they came away with the idea that John was a true prophet. All right? Okay, if he's a true prophet from God, why don't you believe what he says? That's what Jesus is saying. And if you go back to John, we're going to take a little time to look at this. John chapter 1, it's, it's the witness that John gave about Jesus. Because they, Jesus is basically saying, if you believe he was a prophet from God, then you should believe what he says. Here's what he says in chapter 1 of John, verses 26 through 34. I'm going to take time to read this. It said, John answered them saying, I baptize in water, but among you stands one whom you do not know. It is he who comes after me, the thong of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany beyond the Jordan where John was baptizing. The next day... John saw Jesus coming to him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. Now folks, in the natural, Jesus was born six months after John. He was born six months after John. And John says, he existed before me. So where did he come from? Yeah, he came from the heavens. He came from heaven. All right, I'm going to keep reading here. And I did not recognize him, but in order that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. And John bore witness, saying, I have beheld the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven and remaining on him. And I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water, which is God, said to me, 
He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. That's John's testimony. That's the witness of John. Well, naturally, they didn't believe that. You got a bunch here that's, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit. John, Jesus, and this is what's interesting in this witness of John. Jesus said, I, he said, the witness which I receive is not from man. In other words, he's saying, I don't necessarily need John to tell me who I am, to tell you who I am. I've got more witnesses than that. But that was John's witness. Now the third witness is when Jesus speaks about his works. We're going to read this. This is just one verse in verse 30. I can't see. Words are getting littler and littler. <laughs> Verse 36, but the witness which I have, great is, I have is greater than that of John. The witness that I have is greater than that of John. For the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do, bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. I think that's interesting. It's a greater witness than that of John. You remember, and I want to, somebody remember the interview that Jesus had with, uh, with Nicodemus over in John chapter 3. And I thought it was very interesting what Nicodemus said in John chapter 3. When he met Jesus for the first time, he came to him and he said in verse 2 of John chapter 3, uh, Nicodemus came to him and said, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. No one can do these signs from God unless God is with him. Notice what Jesus, or what Nicodemus called Jesus. You've come from God as a teacher. You know, it's interesting today, even in today's people, it seems like we're always ready to accept a teacher. Aren't we? We're always ready to, oh, he's a teacher. Now call him a prophet. Call him an evangelist. Call him an apostle. We're always willing to accept a teacher, but we're a little bit leery about anything else. The Jews were willing to call him a teacher. Nicodemus said, you've come from God as a teacher. Jesus never rebuked him. He called him rabbi. That, that means someone who's a teacher. We're always willing to accept a teacher. Teachers aren't dangerous, are they? They're not dangerous. We're not afraid of them. But we're a little bit afraid of the rest of them. And the Jews weren't afraid of a teacher. That's all they did was teach. They were always looking for something to teach. We'll talk about that a little bit more. But see, 
no one can do these signs unless God is with him. Even the Pharisees recognized that the signs and things he did were from God. And so Jesus basically put it right to him that you know this is the witness, the works that I do. Now, I want a little side note here. You know, Jews were always looking and expecting their Messiah. In this, I just want you to see human nature here. They were always looking for their Messiah. They would talk about Messiah coming. They, oh, when the Messiah comes. When the Messiah comes. And guess what? When he came, they wanted to kill him. They didn't want to have anything to do with him. What were they expecting? They rejected him and the horse he rode in on. They, I, I think about the human nature in this. When he finally came, they rejected him and killed him. Why? I, I'm, thinking, I'm trying to think about human nature. It kind of goes along with the, the idea of teacher. He, he's not dangerous. Call him a prophet, he's dangerous. Call him anything else, he's, he's dangerous. You know? And, you know, I tried to, that was his first coming, you know, it was his first coming. But, you know, Jesus said he's what? Coming again, you know? I know we don't hear that very often, but Jesus is coming. He's closer today than he was yesterday. He's coming back. Jesus is coming. We talk about it, not very much, but we do. It's a reality. Jesus is coming for his church. And Jesus told us to be ready and be looking for that day, the return of the Lord Jesus. I hope we are more receptive for his second coming than the Jews were for his first coming. I hope we have faith in our heart to, to receive that. So Jesus' works... One man said it this way, his works were illustrative of his character, of who he was. They were kind of like, okay, this is who I am. This is who I am. They're illustrative of what he was and who he was, of God being with us. Jesus had no excuse, or the Jews had no excuse in rejecting him. They had no excuse in rejecting him. Uh, the fourth witness, the Father. This is interesting, I think. The witness of the Father. Jesus went to number, this is number four, verse 37, 38. And the Father who sent me, he has borne witness of me. You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. And you do not have his word abiding in you, for you do not believe him who sent me. You don't have his word abiding in you. Now, wait a minute. They studied the word day and night, day and night, study the word. You don't have his word abiding in you. They could quote it. I think most Jews could quote the first five books of the Bible, the books of Moses. They could quote those. They could start anywhere in those books. Somebody give them the first few words, and they could take off and start quoting it. I don't know anybody here that could do that. I can't. Hey, a few of you can quote a few chapters and stuff. But Jews learned the Bible that that what they considered the Torah. They, they learned it by rote. 
They learned it and learned it. That's how they, they wrote it every day. They recited it daily. Jesus looked at them and said, you don't have his word in you. What word is he talking about? What word? What word? It's like a word that gives life. It's like the word that makes the connection between what's here and what's here. You see, three times, I think you can find three times in the scriptures where God spoke audibly to Jesus. Once when he was baptized, this is my beloved son, or, you know, the, I, I won't go back to that. He, but once when he was baptized, and once in his uh, transfiguration when he was up on the mountain with his disciples, God spoke directly audibly to him. But in those two times, it says in the Word that the people around him didn't hear it. They didn't hear it. The, the last time was when he, his triumphal entry in Jerusalem. He came into Jerusalem, you know, on a donkey. And it was during that time God spoke to him. They're not in, I don't think these are all in the book of John, or the letter of John, or the gospel of John. People heard a sound, but they didn't recognize what was being said. They, they couldn't necessarily hear what it was being so I don't know I don't think Jesus was talking about those times here I think Jesus is referring to something that's very subjective in the person in the person I see how can I how can I, ex I how can I give a biblical example of that oh you remember when the disciples after Jesus buried uh, uh, was resurrected he went on the road to Emmaus and he met a couple guys there. You remember that? And as they, they didn't recognize him, and as they're traveling along, he started talking to them. And as they was talking to them, later on, when they realized who it was, you remember what they said? Were not our hearts burning within us as he spoke to us on the road? It's something like that, an inner witness. And that can only come when someone is in allegiance with Jesus and with the Father. I remember, I remember when I was a young lad and before I became a Christian, uh, we'd go to church a few times. I remember I'd open this Bible up and start trying to read. It didn't make any sense to me at all. I know I'm probably the only one that ever had that happen. It didn't make any sense to me. I didn't know what I was even reading. Didn't understand it at all. But after I committed my life to Jesus, after I came to Jesus, suddenly that word came alive to me. Everything I read had meaning and had 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 authority and had power. Everything I read, it's like my heart got into an alignment with God. My heart got into an alignment with Him. And suddenly I begin to hear the Father, the witness of the Father. He said, my word doesn't abide. My the word of my Father doesn't abide in you. You've got to have that openness to God. It's a, when we believe some the objective truth, when we believe what God has said, then suddenly, subjectively, we experience and it begins to impact our hearts and truth comes in and we understand it and it makes sense to us and it brings conviction. I think that's what Jesus was speaking here of when he said the witness of the Father. Now, the final witness that Jesus mentions here 
There is a couple more after this, but he didn't mention them. We may talk about that just briefly. In verses 39 through 47, I'll take time to read this. It says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is these that bear witness of me. And you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life. I do not receive glory from men, but I know that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. I've come to in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. If another shall come in his own name, you will receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? Do not think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who will accuse you is Moses, in whom you have set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? Powerful scripture here. I watched a clip from, Sean put a clip from Chosen on here few weeks ago. It's a powerful clip. And I, I went, I, I don't know, I just came across this clip yesterday and I thought, oh, I want to watch that because I remember how that went. You know where they took him out and was going to throw him over the, the pinnacle and then the Bible says passing through their midst, he went his way. I love that part because it's just like he looks at him and says, not today. <laughs> you know, and everybody just, you know, they, they don't even know why they didn't do it. But anyway, earlier in that, when he was in the synagogue, and I know it's not scripture, and some people might take offense at that, but I, I understand the meaning of it. Remember when he looked at them and said, I am the law. I am the law. Somebody said, well, that's not in the word. Well, let me tell you, it is in the word because the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So he is the law. But anyway, I, I'll tell you, Jesus was dealing with a, a wiry bunch of people here. He was dealing with some wiry people here. He said, you search the scriptures because you think in them you have eternal life. Oh, my goodness. That's blasphemous almost. Because the Jew worshipped the Torah. They wouldn't say that. But they made an idol out of God's word. You know, this is the strongest witness. I believe Jesus saved this for last because it's the strongest witness that's against them, really. Jesus, or let's see, Jews believed that zealous application to the law was their duty, to take the law and apply it to their life. Doing this ensured them of eternal life. Taking the Word of God and walking it out ensured them of eternal life. i got to be careful here. I'm not saying you just can do anything. But without the Spirit of God, well, you're nothing. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do how much? You can do nothing. Apart from me. we got to have him. we got to have him. 
And Jesus is saying that. He said, you think because, he said, but these scriptures bear witness of me. And you are unwilling to come to me that you may have life. We even call the Bible the book of life. Well, it is. It's a book that will lead us to eternal life. It'll show us where eternal life is. It directs us to eternal life. It's a good thing to know the scriptures because it trains us and teaches us the will and the purposes of God. But apart from the Spirit, I don't know that men are able to do much of anything. Now, when Jesus talks about glory here, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you guys study the scriptures so you can stand up in front of each other and impress one another and receive glory from people. You know, everybody bowing down. Oh, Rabbi, you're so wonderful what you shared today. It's just life-changing. We're going to start practicing that. You know, we're going to add that to our other 3,157 laws, you know. Jesus said it was inconsistent to study the law and reject him because the law spoke of him. The law was important to bring people to him. Jesus made a definite claim to be the object of prophecy in the writings of Moses. It says down here, he said to him, Moses, he wrote of me. It was all about me in the book of Moses. That's what he's saying. It's interesting because you go back and read the book of Moses and find where Jesus, Moses said there was going to be a prophet, there was going to be a person come that God was going to send, just like him. I don't know where they, why they missed that. Uh, John doesn't talk much about prophecy in his book, in his, his gospel, but there's 18 references in the Gospel of John that are prophetic references to Jesus. If you want to look at a, a, a gospel that shares a lot of prophecy from the Old Testament about, about Jesus, you can go to Matthew's gospel. Matthew's gospel was written for the Jews so that they could see that Jesus fulfilled this prophecy. He fulfilled this prophecy. He fulfilled this prophecy. You know, John doesn't say that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, which was prophesied by the prophet Malachi. Or Micah, I think. Micah, I got it wrong. Thank you. You'll have to forgive me. I'm getting old. <laughs> Micah prophesied that, that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. And Jesus fulfilled that prophecy, and it just keeps going. It just keeps going. A son shall be given to us. Isaiah. There's so many prophecies in the Old Testament told, pointed the way in which, which the Messiah would come. You can't get around it. One time years ago when I was into studying statistics and stuff like that, I forget how many thousands upon thousands of, of uh, chances of that happening. One in millions of one person fulfilling all the Old Testament prophecies. If the Jews wanted to get into something, they ought to have got into that. Daniel even told in his week's prophetic word, he even told when he was going to be born. That's why the Jews forbid Jews to read the book of Daniel. Because it told when he was going to be born. If you did the calculations, it was when Jesus was born. God didn't want this done in a bucket where nobody could see it. He wanted us to know about it. 
Moses wrote of me. Moses will be the one who accuses them for not believing in Jesus. Moses will be the one that says to the Jews, I wrote of him. I, I pointed the way to him. And when he came, you rejected him. You, you didn't receive him. The prophets will do the same. I think Jesus wanted to make this very clear to the Jews what was taking place here. So all these references, it's the, it's the scriptures. You study them because you think that that's the end in itself, to know the scripture, to know good theology, to know this kind of stuff. You think that's the end of this. This is not the end. This is just the beginning. These are the things that point to me. And you don't want to come to me so that you might have life. God help us if we replace Jesus with church. God help us if we replace Jesus from scripture memorization. God help us if we replace Jesus from going out and being able to espouse good theology. If we replace Jesus with that. Take, take that away. It's all about people knowing what I know. I went through periods where I wanted people to know what I know. And now I don't know what I know. I don't even know what I know when I get up to think I'm going to say something about what I know. I don't even know what I know sometimes. I, I got this saying from Bill Johnson. He said, many people stop short of a divine encounter because they are satisfied with good theology. The Word of God is to lead us to the God of the Word. I want you to think about that. The Word of God is meant to lead us to the God of the Word that we might have an encounter with Him. And you know what? There was two more witnesses that's mentioned later in John, but Jesus didn't mention them here because it hadn't happened yet. One of those witnesses is, you ought to know who that is, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and convicts and convinces us of our sin and brings us into a relationship with, with God, with Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a witness. The second witness is you. Disciples. The disciples were to be his witnesses. Remember, that's what he said. You shall be witnesses of me. Our changed lives, our words. All of that is to be a witness. When people see our life, it should bring some kind of a reality that there is a God. I know a lot of guys here went from being, you know, lost and now they're saved and their whole life has changed. What a witness. What a testimony. Testimony and witness is about the same. So there's a total of seven witnesses. And you know what seven is? Seven's God's complete number. And you know what God's saying with those seven witnesses? You have more than enough to believe. That's what John is saying. There's more than enough here to believe in Jesus. So I remember when I was a kid, I was traveling along in the back seat, and there was a Baptist preacher in the front. I kind of grew up sort of Baptist. And I'll never forget, I leaned up over the seat. He was driving. And I said, Brother Andrew, I said, I said, how can people believe in Jesus today 
when he's not walking the earth, he's not here. I said, I can see how it was easy for them to believe in Jesus back then. And he turned to me with a big smile and he said, Brother Jeff, he said, he said Son, if you wouldn't believe in him today, you wouldn't believe in him back then. And I, believe, I never forgot that. I forgot all of his sermons, but I never forgot that sermon. Write to me. If you wouldn't believe in him here today, you wouldn't believe in him back there. And I'm just telling you, there's more than enough in this word, in the book of John by itself. If we had nothing else but the, but, but the gospel of John, there's enough to come to faith. John said, Many things Jesus said and did, but these things have been written. These things have been written that you might believe and that believing you might have life in his name. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you for the witnesses that you've given us. Thank you for all that's been put together here on the blood of your holy apostles, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Help us to receive their message. Help us to receive their word. As we receive the elements today of communion, Lord God, I pray you will bless them to our hearts. We'll, Lord, it's an example of what we're to do. We're not just to look at them and talk about them and give the theology of them, Lord, but we're to take you in. We're to encounter you. We're to take you in. Help us to take you in today, Lord, as we receive you, as you desired for us to do, and help us to walk in faith. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yes. Before we do communion, or maybe while we do communion, um, I'll, I'll pray for it before I get done. But um, I had thought, you know, as we were, um, as we started, as we started playing this morning, there was. There, there was a, you know, as we all sang with, you know, one voice, one heart, you know, we have come, we, we started. There's, there was a spirit for more in the room.